Welcome to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast with your hosts, Jeremy Thake and Paul Schaeflein. Each week, you'll catch us speaking to expert developers about new tech, lessons learned, and opinions in this space. Hey, hey, and welcome back to the podcast. We've had quite a break coming into 2022. How are you doing, Paul? I'm doing well. The break was a good thing. It's not, at least on my end, it's not due to any illness. It's lots of work to do and lots of nothing to do during the holiday break. How are you doing? Yeah, pretty good. I had most of December off. I kept thinking the pandemic was going to finish in 2021 and then I'd be able to take advantage of my vacation by flying somewhere. And then it got to December. I was like, well, best take all this. I wasn't going to lose it. So I had most of December off, which was really good. I went to, um, I actually did a secret trip. Wow. To Las Vegas when the one of the Microsoft 365 conferences were, were on. And um, it was a nice chance to catch up with some good friends I hadn't seen in a while. And, uh, and then I did a tour of Austin on a scooter for a few days with a friend that's looking at moving down there. So yeah, it was a nice break. It's good to get away. And then unfortunately, when we were scheduling all the start of our new podcast episodes, I got COVID two days after my booster shot. So last week I was looking after myself and my sick little girl, but I guess we've had it now. Yeah. And we'll just have to wait for the next variant to have, but yeah, it wasn't, wasn't nice, unfortunately. So you actually went to an in-person conference event though. Well, I didn't go to the event. I basically got a hotel in the venue (laughs) and met everyone in the bars when they were finishing for the day and was in a spa for the whole day and by the pool for the day. So, yeah, Yeah. it was different. Yeah, Uh, yeah, A few people like double take, like, wait, you're not speaking here. I'm like, shh, be quiet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, cool. Very cool. But the, the world world was busy while we were goofing off. (laughs) There's been... A lot of news. One of the exciting ones, because this has just been such a long time coming, is the single sign-on service for Office add-ins is made its way to Office on the web. Um, so for the longest time, it's been pretty hard to get an off token to call anything um, from the Office add-ins app that you've built. And so there's now an official way of doing that. And this has been a lot of engineering effort across the various different divisions of Microsoft. So it's exciting to see that come out and be supported supported for Office on the web there. So if you are doing any Office add-ins work, definitely go check that out. And um, Quan's been on the show recently, and I think we're going to get him on pretty soon too. Talk about what they're doing in the Outlook add-in space again. But yeah, this is great that they've finally supporting the single sign-on stuff in those scenarios. This is a big deal. I'm telling you, folks don't want to type in passwords all over again and and getting tokens is hard enough without making it more complicated with different hosts involved. So great to see. Great to see. Yeah. Or or worse now, it's not passwords. It's getting your phone out of your pocket to authenticate or put in a code in a phone call. So the more they can do in the background, the better for all these, these scenarios. Yes, and I would suspect that the the GUID 93 Delta is going to be burned into our brains like the 143 and the 585 <laughs> that we use for Microsoft Teams. So, very <laughs> true. And then Brian and my team has started off for 2022 uh, the Microsoft Graph Mailbag series again. Um, just for those who maybe weren't following on last time we did this series when he first started in my team, it started off as like my team writing them. 
based on like common questions we would hear from talking to partners in our engagements or um, what we'd see in forums being asked and what MVPs would be asking. And then we've actually evolved it now to looking at like common support tickets that come through and blogging about the, like things like that. Um, this is not just for us to write. If you're interested in guest blogging on a particular mailbag topic, um, please reach out to Brian. Um, the links are in the, the show notes on the bottom of the post. Uh, we are trying to make this more of a community effort. And I think it's a great way for you to you know, blog on our blog on Microsoft.com and get your name out there and you know promote your own blog and so forth. Um, but this one is a good one. I can't, can't remember how many times we've talked about large file uploads and the fact the SDKs handle it. And Brian's done a good job of like explaining how easy it is now the SDKs to do all that stuff. So um, yeah, please subscribe to the RSS for that blog. We're on a new platform, as I think I mentioned in a podcast later last year. Um, so it's much easier to consume and easy to read on the on your phone as well, which I know a lot of you do, as do I. Yeah, love it. Love it, love it. Hey, it's C-sharp. It's right. Graph SDK. It's right What's not to love? So, beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, by the way, he does a .NET console sample. And by the way, if you want to do a bunch of those, yeah, shameless plug here, the, the Graph.community project has a, a .NET console app in which I do dependency injection as if it was an ASP.NET web app type of thing. So, you can see how it all works and a bunch of samples. I don't do file uploads. So, nice to see that's in here. If, uh, if people holler at me, I could loop that into the same sample if, if needed to be, but uh, nice to see that moving along. In fact, when I saw the mailbag post in my feed reader, I was like, oh, that must be an old one because, you know, end of the year, <laughs> nope, no, it's brand new. Yeah. Back in back in business. Yeah, it's great. New Year's resolution for Brian. What else did you find that we've published this uh, this week? So, part of what I was busy on earlier in January was um, uh, onboarding some new applications and new customers, and I um, saw a blurb that said the Azure PowerShell commandlets for Active Directory were changing because they are planning to deprecate the Azure AD graph endpoint using the Microsoft graph endpoint. And so this is just, I put a link to the change notes about the Azure.resources module that has all the Azure AD commandlets under the covers has changed to use the graph API, which means the output of a bunch of different things is different because the shape of the API is different, which which you would expect. And so uh, if you're running any of those commandlets, the reason I put that page in there, because if you're using any of those commandlets, you can just search for it and see you know what's changed. And I, I successfully, well, I, I, my quote migrated. <laughs> so my scripts to create Azure apps and, and service principles and stuff that I've had all along just ran. I, don't, I didn't have any issues. I mean, I had changes to make as part of my our, our, our product release, but works just fine. So get the stuff in there. Um, I will point out, though, if you are new to this, there is um, there are some interesting ways you have to create uh, Azure apps or app registrations by setting hash tables inside PowerShell to create a bunch of the pieces. And so, um, again, if folks have questions on that, you could reach out and, and find some samples on that. But uh, it's it's good, uh, mostly a non-event, I think, which is just how you want a migration to be. That that's the plan, and there's a lot of engineering work again with this that's gone on in bringing all the different teams together to kind of get them on board and and move to the new graph. PowerShell SDKs. So it's exciting to see them now doing the next steps, which is helping people migrate over, which is great. Yeah. And just let me reiterate that they changed the existing Azure AD or AZ resource 
our commandlets to use right, the right. graph endpoint under the covers. So I didn't have to change mm -hmm. to the MG commands. Yeah. I could still use the AZ ones that I had belong. So, um, but yeah, whatever, cool. whatever folks want to do, they're both available. And then another exciting one was the graph bookings API, which we're seeing more and more of this, obviously with the pandemics and full flight and remote work being a thing. Um, I actually use the Microsoft bookings for partners to be able to book time with me um, where they can see my availability and we use it in our team where it looks at multiple people's availability and round robins, um, you know, giving them a spot. Daryl and Gareth and Olga, are who the, I kind of do the API reviews, all of our graph workloads use it and it round robins between them depending on who's booking it when, which is pretty cool. So bookings is becoming really popular and the APIs have been um, doing really, really well and they've just released like the next wave of support for things that they'd done in the UI but weren't in the API. So you can now enable... SMS notifications via the API. You can also now enable an online meeting with a booking meeting and grab the join URL for that meeting if you need to do that in your own experiences. And things like customer time zones. And the other one was custom, it was like- Custom questions. Custom properties, like the location or the phone, um, things like that. So, and then custom questions as well. So it really allows you to extend bookings from its kind of baseline. So if you haven't looked into that, there's some really cool scenarios where you've got a line of business that we wanna, you don't wanna have to worry about building all that capability. You can just leverage the booking stuff that comes with M365. So definitely go check that out. Yeah, nice to see. I like I like the more stuff coming online. That's great. Graph getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Beautiful stuff. Uh, next one I found, I put under community, but hard to say because Victor posted <laughs> under his personal blog instead of the, the Microsoft blog. But Victor Villain has a post from mid-December, create a collaborative app for Microsoft 365 that runs Teams, Outlook, and Office.com. Woo, woo. So how about that? So just as we we mentioned, SSO is rolling out to Office add-ins. You can now use um, the infrastructure for a Teams tab in multiple hosts. Uh, all still in the web, of course, but uh, imagine writing writing once, running everywhere. So nice to see this. Victor's got a screenshot of the, the Yo Teams generator creating a tab, and it runs inside Outlook on the web or Office.com. So get the, get started there for folks who are using web only like my boss who doesn't even load the fat clients anymore it's all web all the time so this is a great uh, getting started thing here from victor not a lot of depth but it's a really here's what you can do and off you go yeah i do like the fact that we're centralizing this launcher and the fact that third-party apps could be part of that launcher and you can launch whether you're in teams outlook um, and there'll be others coming soon um, with the different other hubs that we have within m365 it's good that, you know, obviously the same scaffolding you used to do um, in Yo Teams still works to light up Outlook as it did Teams. So it's cool. I love it. It's going to be, there's going to be a lot more on this coming very soon. I hope. Well, here you can put your, I'm put, you put your customer, uh, make customer, make partners happy hat on. Um, <laughs> it's great that they can run everywhere, but please make the UI components the same everywhere. <laughs> yeah, fair. That's what's going on in the background. But as you can imagine, that's a, uh, I mean, to call it a work stream is an understatement um, <laughs> yeah, with the amount of yeah, people really. I've been involved in. There's, there's calls I've been on with 60, 70 people in them, um, which is you just to make sure everyone's on the same page and aligned. So it's exciting where this is all going. I'm, I'm really, really pumped for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, it's easier for me to say, just make it work. But I, I totally, <laughs> the, the scope of what has to happen across all the different 
products that are sold and the two teams working on those products and the support teams and oh my gosh and partners and everything yeah external developers so i, I totally get it. it's a huge project so uh, but yeah love, love to see that if you are using teams though the teams toolkit got a new release um i chose a blog post from Tomap tomami emura who we've referenced on the sh on the show before and um she's walking through the latest version three with teams fx in vs code and and how to do uh the the stuff that's in there including provisioning from vs code which i'm not a fan of but at least it's got bicep resources you can look at so learn how your stuff's happening and customize it as you see fit so another great post from tomomi thank you did i say the right tomomi i apologize i get names wrong all the time she she is awesome she is really really smart the meetings i've been on with her it's exciting to see like how she looks at things and what she wants to go tackle in terms of like writing about it and evangelizing so we should get her on the show i don't think we've had her on yet we should definitely do that the episode this week we have nick shawalabar talking about data connect we have got a fair lineup kicking into January, but if you have something you'd love to talk about with us, uh, please reach out on the Twitters, Jay Fake and your Paul Schaefline. I think so. Yeah, one of those two. <laughs> <laughs> All of the above. Uh, yeah. And um, at M365 Dev Podcast. I know that one works. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That one works. He listens to that one. And um, yeah, we can get you on the show. We'd love to have more community members on here. I know we've had feedback that we, they, everyone loves hearing from PMs inside the walls of Microsoft, but um, you know, there is a lot of valuable content that happens in the community as well. And so um, we don't want to feel like you, you all think we're just talking to internal PMs. So we'd love to, to have you on. So uh, please reach out and uh, enjoy the show. Okay, we've got uh, Nick Shalabar with us today from, well, my team. So, I mean, it's not been that long since we've chatted, Nick, but we wanted to make sure you get you on the podcast uh, so other people would hear about what you're doing in your day-to-day -day life. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Nick, Nick has been on before, but you were talking about a whole different topic back then. So, it's nice to, nice to see you back on. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. And I believe last time I was on the show, I wasn't actually part of Jeremy's team either. So it's already been over a year since I, I was last on the uh, the podcast. So thanks for having me. How's the snow up there, buddy? I was just telling Paul, we just received something like 21 inches of snow. Uh, so it finally stopped snowing. It's good. It's white. I can tell you that. Uh, kids love it. I don't, but it's fine. It's been funny with as the team's grown and we've hired out, you know, having you, you, you know, and then Barry and Toronto just had a big dump and uh, Fabian had a big, big drama in Washington, D.C. And then Paul's always got stories about well, Chicago. Well, you know, wait a minute. Snow drama in Washington, D.C. means they got about a half inch. <laughs> well, no. Seattle was like a quarter of an inch. The city shuts down for a week. But at least uh, I have my Jeep now so I can actually get out when it snows. Whereas before when I had the... The Dodge Charge, that thing wouldn't even get off the driveway without boiling a kettle or melting the ice on the edge of the curb. So there's that. Nick, for those that haven't listened to other shows, how long have you been in Microsoft and my team and what are you focused on in Microsoft these days? Sure, yeah. Well, I joined Jeremy's team and the Microsoft Graph Product Group last February, I believe. So close to a year now. My focus is on a component of the graph called Microsoft Graph Data Connect. 
right? Which allows you to extract information from Microsoft 365 in bulk to do insights and analytics. And uh, for those that don't know what Jeremy's team is doing, we're part of the customer and partner experience division, which basically uh, helps customers remove any technical blockers that they have in using Microsoft Graph overall. You'd been using MGDC before you joined the team. What's your two minute, what is it when you're talking to a partner or a customer? And also for Paul, that like we had Abram on the show, episode 150, which I mean, if we do the math, that was a long time ago. And Paul's probably forgotten. No, you're not even going to bite Paul. You're just going to yeah. let it roll. <laughs> he's, he's staying white. <laughs> <laughs> if we're going to start listing the things that Paul has forgotten about, we will not have time for Nick to talk. So... <laughs> But essentially, when you think of Microsoft Graph, right, there are three main components to the ecosystem. The first one is what most people are familiar with, which is the REST APIs, right? That allow you to do transactional requests, the graphs, CRUD operations, create, write, read, update, and delete. There's the graph connectors, which allows you to ingest data from external systems into the graph. And then there's this third component, which is Microsoft Graph Data Connect, that allows you to extract data in bulk out of Microsoft 365. Now, when you're using MGDC or Microsoft Graph Data Connect, you're not going to be subject to throttling, right? So that is one advantage of using it. So you can extract large amount of data out of Microsoft 365 without hitting any throttling uh, limit like you would if you were using the Microsoft Graph, right? So for example, if you're trying to generate insights on emails and you're looking at analyzing oh, millions of emails per se, the throttling limit right now is 10,000 emails per hour using the REST APIs. So you're gonna be looking at several hours, if not days, to extract all this information. Graph Data Connect, you, uh, there's actually an Azure play with it. So you need to spin off uh, what we call a data pipeline inside of Azure Data Factory or Azure Synapse Analytics. You run your pipeline and within a few minutes, you're gonna be able to extract millions and millions of items from Microsoft 365. And those will be extracted as JSON in a uh, storage account inside of Azure. Right. You know, so this, this, I do remember little bits, right? So what we were talking about, if I want to get things out of graph, right? Obviously, I can query or do some things return a list. And there's the notifications, aka webhooks bit, right? And then data connect. And so if I remember that using data connect is not guaranteed to be real time instant access type of stuff. Is that changed? Have I got that wrong? Or is this really uh, something I should be aware of? No, you're correct, right? So what will happen is when you execute that that pipeline, the moment you you trigger the pipeline, it will take almost a snapshot of your Microsoft 365 environment, right? And there's going to be some overhead setting all the components on our end. So if you're extracting, let's say, a million emails, it might take about 30 minutes for everything to get exported. Okay, so it's not real time. It's near real time, but the moment you initiate the pipeline, it will capture everything that uh, that, that was sent via either, I, mean, I keep saying email, but we support things like Teams chat, meeting invites, contacts. Uh, we have information about SharePoint files as well. So everything from the point when you, you trigger the pipeline um, will, will be captured as part of it. And actually, that, that is a good point. Like since episode 150, and we're now on like 200 and something, there's a lot that's evolved in the product from a mainly on a data set side, right? Like that's probably the biggest change from when we had this discussion with Abram. And so you you went through that very, very quickly, but like the core data sets that were there at the beginning were like users, which is a free data set, right? Um, and then there's mail and calendar, contacts, 
but it, what some of these new ones you just mentioned and and maybe talk about some of the scenarios that people can use them for just so that people understand like why anyone would want this much data in bulk like that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, some of the new data sets we released over the past few months include the Teams chat data set, right? So that is like private chats, so one-on-one -on -one and group chats, one to many. We don't have Teams channel discussions yet. Those are coming within the next few weeks. We have information around um, the SharePoint Online file sharing, right? which is a data set right now in preview that's going to be released uh, again within the next few weeks. That includes information around what files have been shared with users internally and externally. So you can go and scan your entire SharePoint uh, site collections and then figure out for every file with whom it's being shared. We also introduced new data sets around emails. I know we already had like the message data set, which included every single email uh, sent and received by your user. We've introduced a new data set called Inbox, which only represents emails that are at the root of a user's inbox. We have sent item, which only represents the email that have been sent by internal users. Uh, we have information about contacts, mailbox settings that include things about what mailboxes have their out of office set and so on. And some of the scenarios we're seeing uh, customers build around this, I mean, we're seeing like, it really depends what customers are after, but Microsoft Graph Data Connect, when you're doing insights and analytics right now, is all about answering questions, right? You're trying to answer a question about your data. So for example, we have customers that are trying to understand, all right, so what division inside of my enterprise is uh, using Teams over emails, right? What percentage of people? Understand how people are collaborating inside of the organization. We have, uh, we're seeing uh, folks combine the data from Microsoft Graph Data Connect with other Azure services. This is really where it gets interesting because, because we have an Azure Play, we have customers that are building things that integrate with, say, Azure Cognitive Services. So now you can extract the content of your email. You can actually abstract the actors, right? So to keep some level of privacy on the data, send that over to Azure Cognitive Services to do sentiment analysis, uh, key action extractions, right? Try to understand what is this data about. So it's really about doing data transformation and understanding what is being hidden in that, that data that you're extracting from Microsoft 365. When I run this extract, you mentioned you take a snapshot, but am I doing like a, a start point? So if I want a, a point in time or if I want to analyze a specific month, can I specify a start and end time as well? Or is it really just what, where we're at today? Yeah, absolutely, right? One of the, the components you need to specify is a date range when you're doing the export, right? So the way it works is when you're creating your, your, your pipeline, you need to establish what I call a data contract, right? Which is essentially information about what you're about to export. And that data contract includes four components. The first one is, well, it's pretty obvious. It's what data set are you trying to export? For example, you're trying to export emails. The second data point that needs to be part of your contract is what users are you extracting that data for? By default, the, the, that filter will be set to all users in your tenant. But you can refine that and you can say, I only want to export information for people that are as part of my, let's say, finance group in Azure Active Directory and legal team. So I can actually scope it to the user level. The third thing is the date filter. Right. So when you're extracting the, some of the data sets like messages, team chat, you need to specify a start date and an end date. 
And you can go as far back as you want. You can say, I want to extract information for the past five years if I want to. You can also have dynamic date range and say, just give me the past 24 hours. Instead of specifying our code date, you can say, give me the past 24 hours. And then the last component, which is also uh, something that is a differentiator between Microsoft Graph Data Connect and the REST API is the list of fields you want to export. So for example, we have a lot of customers right now, what they're trying to do is organization network analysis. All they care about is to understand who's been sending email to whom. They don't want to get the, the content of the email for privacy reasons. So what they want to do is they want to grab everything about the email, but filter out the subject, the attachment, and the body, and just keep all the metadata around that email. By defining that as part of your data contract, if you say, I don't want the body and the subject of the email, that data will never get exported. If you're granting your application access um, to um, mail.read, for example, for the REST APIs, by default, your application will be able to read the content of the email. We have mail.read the basic that is different, but by default, that permission will grant your application access to read the content, unless the application decides to explicitly filter that out. Right? Microsoft Graph Data Connect, your pipeline will not even get access to extract that information from the get-go. Sorry, that was a long explanation. No, it's good. And but I think the big thing of this is like if you think of the REST API, you, you either go in as a, a delegated user or you go in as a app, an application or app only or non-interactive, you know, the different terms we use. This effectively is a non-interactive scenario similar to that, you know, what people would do where they would require admin consent. So what's the the experience like for a tenant administrator in uh, authorizing these types of things within a tenant? Yeah, so we actually have a, an approval workflow. We use what we call privilege access management inside of Microsoft 365. So if I'm a data scientist, I go in Azure Synapse, I create my pipeline. So I establish that data contract I was referring to. When you go and run your pipeline, it's automatically gonna send an approval request to uh, a group inside of your organization. So when you configure Microsoft Graph Data Connect, you need to specify an approver group. And people in that group will get a notification saying there's a new pipeline that is um, requesting access to the data. They'll be able to review the data contract and approve or revoke consent to it. So if they approve it, automatically the pipeline will continue its execution and will allow the data to be exported. What's really important to understand here is if you're, let's say you're running one pipeline and all you're asking for is the, let's say the two and the carbon copy field, you will get an approval notification. If you modify that so that it now includes the subject, for example, that will trigger yet another approval request because you're asking for more data than what you were given access to extract in the first place. If you go the other way around, you don't need to approve it because you're going from three fields down to two, right? And the approval, you only need to do once. Once that pipeline is authorized to run, next run, like if you had it triggered every day, for example, you don't need to go and manually approve the pipeline on a daily basis. So as a developer, that's the, I can draw an analogy between what you call approve and my consent versus the every call, right? So if I make a call a graph, uh, if I've already been consented, I can just get a new token and I go. So the really, you mentioned this Azure Synapse pipeline that requires the consent, right? It's, but now that triggers another question in my brain, right? So is, is this easy? Is this like a data source I can pick Microsoft Graph or do I have to have a data scientist go teach them what graph is and all kinds of funky JSON stuff for them to get to get started. <laughs> no, so I, I, I'll be honest. I think the learning curve is if you've never played with Azure Data Factory, 
this is where you're you're going to need to learn how to use it. Once you know how to use Azure Data Factory, Microsoft Draft Data Connect is really a data source for a copy data action inside of Azure Data Factory. That's really all it is. It's one data source, right? That you have specific filters to configure, but it's one data source amongst the other. And that's the beauty of it, because once you're inside of Azure Data Factory, you can actually combine the Microsoft Draft Data Connect with other connectors that we have available. So you can go and essentially do your entire extract transform load operations inside of Microsoft Azure Data Factory and combine and just use Microsoft 365 data as another signal to enrich your data. I like that. I like that. And it does kind of tie in with this philosophy of the SDKs, right? So the, the C-sharp SDK looks like C-sharp, the Azure Data Factory pipeline, the state source looks like a data source everywhere else, right? It's kind of a great, great idea. And then I guess the other inevitable thing was, you know, obviously I mentioned that the user data set was free, which then people are, as they're driving, going, hang on a minute, what does that mean? Does the other ones are cost something. So can you explain how the cost model works for Data Connect? Yeah, so... Back in February of 2021, we actually changed uh, the cost model around Microsoft Graph Data Connect, where it's now metered, which means that we are charging per thousand objects. An object is a row of data. So an email, an instance of a Teams chat, a contact, right? So it's one object. So we are charging per thousand items right now. The preview pricing is currently at 37.5 cents per thousand items, right? Now there are different ways. So for example, when we talk to customers, they're trying to understand how are people using email inside of their organization. And that's the reason why we introduced so many different flavors of the email data set, right? As I mentioned previously, we have the message data set, we have the sent item, we have the inbox. So depending on your scenario, we have data sets that will return just the data you need, right? Based on what you're trying to, to achieve there. So you can always use the filters to reduce the data set if you want to, but it's going to be metered inside of Azure, right? So based on the number of items you actually get. It doesn't matter how many columns you retrieve, right? So for example, if you're doing an export of 10 emails and you're only extracting the two and carbon copy field, it's not going to cost less than if you would extract those 10 emails with like the BCC, the subject and the content. Storage wise, it might, right? Um, because there's more data to be contained, but storage is fairly cheap. So if, if I run it now and say, give me everything for January of 2022, and then I, I get X number of mail messages, and then tomorrow I say, I rerun the same query, give me everything in January, am I going to get billed again for the number of messages? Or I, I'm guessing this is transactional, right? So if, if even though I downloaded the messages yesterday, if I download them again today, I'm going to pay for them again today, right? It is transactional. You're absolutely right. So it's a snapshot and we just basically the metered works on the number of rows returned. So if you're getting the same data set three times in a row, you're going to be charged for the same data set three times. Yeah. That's one of the things with some of the customers where they're trying to tackle like three or four different business scenarios. They'll pull the data down once, but they'll use it in different ways. So that's, you know, that once you've got the data once, you can double dip on it basically. And you mentioned, or Jerry said that one of them is free. Is there more than free? Because if I'm just learning, I don't necessarily want to rack up the bill while I'm goofing off trying to figure out what I'm doing, right? So is there a, a couple things I can look at that maybe uh, are good for training purposes? <laughs> yeah, I mean, everything that I would consider supporting data sets, right? So right now, the free data sets are users, direct reports, and manager or reports to, right? So it's essentially everything that um, comes from Azure Active Directory in a sense right now, so, right? So for example, if you're extracting emails, 
you're going to get information about the ID of the user that sent the email or the, the, the user to which this record belongs to. But if you want to understand, all right, is this user part of the engineering department? Is he part of something off? You need the user data set, right? So that's why I'm saying it's a supporting data set. So those data sets are completely free to use. So if you want to get started and just play around with Microsoft Graph Data Connect, the user data set would be a great place to start because then you can figure out how to set up your Azure Data Factory. You're not going to be charged uh, per the number of items you export, right? Because that data set is free. So absolutely, it's a great way to actually learn about MGDC. Yeah, there's many people that like traverse using the graph to get an org chart built. And it's not easy because you kind of have to walk the tree and go, who's that manager? Who's their manager? Who's their manager? manager? All, like that, all the way up. And that can get super chatty on REST. Whereas doing it this way, like you're getting that whole lot out at once and it, and it's in a database. Well, it can be whatever data format you want out the other end of the data factory. But if it's in a database, it makes it super easy then to build a little quick little org chart tool. Um, or if you're querying it for a business process, you it's, it's quick to query that way as well. So I, I think there's some initial benefits there of just getting up to speed on that um, from that particular data set. Yeah, I'm just going to add as well on the official documentation. Uh, if you go to docs.microsoft.com and search for Microsoft Graph Data Connect, we not only provide a list of all the data sets that we support, but we also provide a sample data set that contains 10 rows of data, but at least it gives you an idea of how the JSON inside of it is going to be formatted. And we also provide information, of course, about the schema, like what does this field actually mean? So if you want to get started with data sets that, that are metered, you can start with this. It's only 10 rows, but at least it gives you an idea of how they're going to be structured. And that would then show me the connections between them. Like you said, the user ID, I need to find that in the user data set. So I'm guessing if I'm getting uh, other items as well, the, the, I guess the sample would help me make that, make that connection, right? Yeah, exactly. Every, every data set that we provide, with the exception of the SharePoint one, uh, there is a P user field in there that actually represents the ID of the user to which this record belongs. So this is what you would normally use as your primary key to do the, the relationships. So this this SharePoint one now you said this is information about things that are shared in SharePoint. Really, is is that all there is? Do I get other file metadata if I want, or or is that on the roadmap? Because <laughs> I'm sure a lot of folks want to know what's going on in SharePoint. We, um... Yeah, we have plenty of data sets on the backlog. Right, one of them is files and list metadata. We have uh, usage coming as well, which will tell you, all right, so this user created this file at this time, they renamed, they updated, they modified this file, right? So that's another data set that we're going to be releasing soon. And other data sets will be Teams. Page views, page views. Everyone's asking page views. <laughs> yes, no, no, page, page views is another one. Absolutely, yeah. yes, sorry. I uh, don't know why I forgot that one, but absolutely it's one of the top, top priority that we have on the list. A lot of people asking for this as well. Yeah, and, yeah. and this, you know, Paul, like we've talked about this in the past on the show, but this notion of <clears throat> we're being way more transparent with throttling across the graph um, with the different workloads than we were three years ago because of the work that um, Vincent Bray did actually in getting all the workloads to document like this is how much you can call in this time frame and the reason for that is that obviously you know if 50 customers are building apps that are hoovering down all the data off of the rest api it can really impact the service and it can cost our service a lot too and so at some point we have to draw a line and go you know these apis were designed for more of an interactive scenario and not for you know pulling this down um, all in one go. And so Data Connect is kind of our 
answer for, hey, look, you probably shouldn't be using REST for this scenario and that you should be using Data Connect. We've got more control over how much impact uh, on our service pulling that data extract out is than however you decide to <laughs> call the REST API and your the code that you're spaghetti writing together in your in your apps. Well, the other part of that is right. So I'm I'm not a, a, an expert in Azure Data Factory, but if my if my task is to extract, transform, and load data, I don't necessarily want to be doing that myself in C Sharp or Node or something making REST calls, right? <laughs> yeah, it's true. And right now, like it is read only, right, Nick? You can't. There isn't a ingress way with this with Data Connect. That, that's a good point because we have a lot of customers asking about like backup and restore scenarios with Microsoft Graph Data Connect, right? So this is just a, a read only, right? So it's one way, it's like a one way out pretty much, right? So you can extract it for analytics and insights perspective, but you can't use it to bulk update anything. That's a good point. Yeah. You know, that bulk update reminds me, and this may be a bit of a tangent. So there, there, you were involved with a, a script for us to put stuff into to Graph as well, right? Uh, I'm sorry if I take us off the path here, but uh, if I have a demo tenant or a, or a developer tenant, didn't you work on a script that'll help us uh, load information in there? <laughs> that was a really good segue. I Thanks like it. Thanks for the it. segue, Paul. Uh, yeah, no, so, but... <laughs> Uh, no, but so here's the story, right? So we have a lot of customers that are asking us, look, we just want to get like our hands on a simple data set that we can use to build a proof of concept. And what they'll normally end up doing is they'll like spin off a dev Microsoft 365 tenant and they'll try to do an export there. But we all know that we only have like 25 licenses in those, the Alex Wilbur and Megan Bowen of this world, right? Like, I mean, they're not exchanging a lot of email. So it's not enough traffic for you to build a good proof of concept. So what we've done is we built a PowerShell script that uses the Microsoft Graph PowerShell SDK to go and seed um, communication in a tenant, right? So we're able to use this script to generate emails, generate Teams chat, create contacts, and send meeting invites. Everything is random, right? So essentially what we're doing, the script will go and analyze all the users you have in your tenant, and it will send email on behalf of random users. It will send emails to, it will send like individual emails. It will send group emails. It can do the same thing for chats, right? It will be one-on-one -on -one or group chats. The meetings can be online. Like everything is randomized. But the beauty about the script is that you can use your own data set to populate the content of the, the signals that are being sent. And by signals, I mean like communication, email to Teams chats and so on. Because another thing we heard from customers is, look, we're, we're trying to build something around fraud detection. How do we seed fraud, right? Like how do you actually like put something in there that our proof of concept will be able to catch? Um, so one thing we're doing as well is we, we, I mean, you can use whatever data set you want. There's a data set that was purchased by MIT back in 2004 as part as a, of a federal investigation that's available for free on the web uh, that you can use that contains half a million emails. Right. So the script, you can use it to just take that content and generate random meeting invites with the uh, content from those emails, send emails, send team chats, and so on. The script is available on the official Microsoft Graph Data Connect GitHub repo. The short URL for this is aka.ms slash m365cedar in one word, cedar, S-E-E-D-E-R. Um, and yes, very easy to, to get started. You just create an app registration, create an app secret, plug it in your PowerShell script and off you go. The script will generate a thousand signals of each type 
every time you run it, you can decide what what signals you want to send, right? If you just want to do meetings, you, you have the option of doing it. If I join the dev program and I get a tenant, I can then use this to put some data in there, right? Absolutely. Yep. Yep. And and for partners, at least it's been a while since I looked, but partners used to be able to go get a, a demo tenant that we used to do for back when we met, did conferences in person. We would get a demo tenant that was preloaded with Megan's and so on. Is this similar to that or is this really a, a replacement of it or is there any connection at all there? Or is it Paul just making a, a graph there? <laughs> So the content pack is a great way to start, right? It will include some email. A content pack is essentially what you would normally pick when you're spinning those demo tenants, right? So it will generate some email traffic. It will generate some meetings, some chats as well. But the script is very useful when you know what type of data you want to see, right? Like in my case, I was telling you that customers want to see fraud, right? Like they want to have something like a data set that talks about financial uh, services, right? So you can use your own data set and see that as part of your, your tem- the demo tenant. You can use whatever you want. You can use documents. So the script, you point it at a folder and it will just read whatever content you have in there. So if it's Word document, if it's text files, right? It will read everything and use that content to generate the signals. So it is similar, but it allows for much more specific scenarios. Yeah, if I want to test the notifications or webhooks, that's a boom. There we go. Start it up and then have it go off. I add it. I like that. Yeah, so uh, excellent. And you said this is using the PowerShell SDK, right? So if I know PowerShell, I should be able to hack away and go at it? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. It's using, I think, two or three modules from the PowerShell Graph SDK. So very easy to get started. All the instructions on how to like do all the prerequisite and get started with the scripts are on the GitHub repo as well. And then with regards to like the, the partner team tenant versus the M365 developer tenant. The developer tenants is kind of the way forward we're pushing. Just, re, you know, if you're an ISV and you've got 10 developers, like the 10 developers can easily go get a free developer tenant and get all that sample tenant pushed in. And there are content packs that it does deploy. I don't think those partner tenants are still going to be a thing moving forward. I think the developer tenants can be the way that they push it. I know there's Fill content packs that get deployed, but um, from a developer perspective, the developer tenants are the way to go, um, which you can get to with graph.microsoft.com. Yeah, and the script I think is better, right? I do remember one time I deployed the, the content pack, and there was a bunch of items on a calendar, and then you know four months later, I was looking at the code, and there was nothing on the calendar because right, the when <laughs> stuff it was there. So in theory, yeah, yeah. So I could the script I'm guessing is hey, run it today. I get data for today, right? Yeah, I mean, you, that, that's the thing, right? It, it makes sense when you're scheduling it using like an Azure automation runbook or even just a task scheduler on your machine if you want, right? Let's run it once a day because that's that's another problem, right? Like going back to the example where you're trying to actually analyze communication over time, if you run the script once, you're going to have a big spike in usage the time you run it because you can't fake backward dates, right? Or like you can fake future dates for meetings, but like, I mean, the dates happen when you're actually running the script. So you need to run it over a certain period of time for it to make sense. Yeah, I'm certainly gonna download and kick the tires on this baby. This, this looks great. Yeah, yeah, I think, well, I think it's useful for more than just MGDC. I think it's useful for a whole heap of scenarios and it's open source, so Nick, if someone wants to push stuff in, they can help, right? Yeah, absolutely. And right now the focus, as I mentioned, is around contacts, Teams chat, meetings, and message because that's what MGDC offers, but I mean, it can be expanded to do other stuff. Like you could go and use it to go and create to-do task or whatever, right? As long as we support it on the graph, you could just expand that script. So please go ahead and contribute to the, the project. 
All right. Well, we have all the links in the show notes. Um, thanks again, Nick, for jumping on to talk about this one. It's exciting to see the progress on Data Connect and the fact that we're working through solutions like the the Cedar to help people kick the tires on it. Paul, I will expect a report update once you've had a chance to have a look at it and see what you think. <laughs> well, uh, my, my marketing department's going to get a dump of this and uh, they'll tell me what we need to add. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, certainly <laughs> off we go. <laughs> yeah, Excellent. right. I think it was setting up a demo, right? I mean, this is certainly uh, worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah, totally. All right. Well, thanks very much, folks. See you soon. Thanks for listening to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at M365DevPodcast and check out our show notes at www.m365devpodcast.com. To help us spread the word, we'd really appreciate it if you could retweet our episode tweets and give us a review on iTunes. That's all, folks.